1: is a reading from the book of Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning about wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for gaining instruction in the wise doings, dealings, righteousness, justice, inequality, to teach shrewdness to the simple, knowledge and prudence to the young. Let the wise also hear and gain in learning and disconcerning acquire discerning acquire skill. To understand a proverb and a figure the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledgeable fools despite wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks.
0: Thanks be to God. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. That through your word for us this day, we would continue to grow in knowledge and wisdom of who you are, of who we are, and of who you call us to be. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So this is the uh, last sermon in this series on questions of faith. So I want to start by uh, thanking uh, all of the folks who submitted questions. Who knows, maybe we'll do this again. So if you have other questions, uh, either hold on to them or or send them in to me. I love to read them. Or uh, you are more than welcome to come visit me here at the office or come visit me at Gather on Thursdays. And I can try and help answer just about any question. I can't promise an answer on the spot. A lot of these sermons, I've spent hours trying to bring an answer to it. Uh, But for our uh, final sermon in this series, our final question, the question is, are faith and religion compatible with philosophy? Can one be a believer and still follow practical philosophy such such as Stoicism? Now, many of you probably won't know what Stoicism is. We'll get to that. um, Well, I'm not going to explain it in depth, but we'll get to sort of this practical philosophical understanding later. Um, But... If I'm being honest with myself, I I, I feel as though this is less uh, saving the best for last sermon and more saving the the toughest for last, or at least the most technical. Um, in fact, uh, this was the only sermon that I had to read an entire book in order to. Uh, to do, I had to reread my philosophy textbook from, from seminary just to uh, re- in, relearn myself the separation of philosophy and religion um, because it's, it's not really a tough answer in that religion and philosophy, many prominent thinkers, not just now but throughout the ages, that there's, there's always been this compatibility between religion and philosophy. Right, because when we begin to look at these words, and we'll look at them in a second, it is not that one it can exist without the other. Because one is this broader stroke of understanding, and then one is this very specific field of study. Right, With, as I said, as I said a minute ago, I pulled out my philosophy book from seminary. How do I know that religion and philosophy are compatible? Well, I had to take a philosophy class in seminary before I was ever allowed to take my... In fact, I had to get written sign-off permission from my philosophy teacher before I could take my systematic theology class, which is like the big kahuna theology class that we take in seminary. And as we begin to dive in and look we begin to see that philosophy actually sets the stage for what we believe theologically. Right. The tough part of this sermon comes in trying to re-enmesh these two ideas because for so long we've considered these sort of opposites. You're either theological or you're philosophical, but you can't be both at the same time. And if we look deeper, we find that actually the marriage of these two terms began so long ago and has only now started to kind of separate from one another. And as I said, it's because philosophy really creates this broad-based understanding of what is happening within our own human understanding, our own human logic, our own understanding of what it means to be a part of the world. Philosophy lays the foundation for for everything. Why? Well, let's look at that word philosophy. Philosophy. Right, as opposed to something like theology, many of us probably know that that ology that occurs at the end of theology or, or, or logi, um, as it's done through the Greek, the Greek word root for logos, word, or study of. So when we look at theology, we see theology is the study of theos, the study of God. Right? That's the etymology that we get behind that. But look at the word philosophy. There is no study of in philosophy. If we break that word down, we see philo. Does anybody remember what philo means? Oh, yeah, that's right. I put a dag on it. I was going to try and get y'all. Make sure you paid attention to some of my previous sermons. Philo is love, right? And philo is that like familial, brotherly kind of love. That friendship type love. So you have philo, and then you have sophie, or sophie, or sophia. However we want to break it down in the Greek. And that means wisdom. So philosophy... Literally translates to love of wisdom. I don't know about you, but when I think about my theology, I kind of want philosophy to be in that. And to dive into this nature of what it means to learn and grow as a human being is the base root of what it means to be faithful, to be religious. How do I know this? Well, Solomon does a really good job of helping us to understand this. He presents it so well there in verse 7 as he says, and remember, this is where I said grammar, folks. Make sure to put that semicolon in there for when you're reading this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Semicolon. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, quick note before we go too far. Remember, in the Old Testament, when we see the word fear, this is not quaking in my boots fear. I'm not scared of a ghost. I'm not scared of a skeleton. I'm not scared that the zombie apocalypse is about to come. Fear in the Old Testament is about reverence. Right? I fear the Lord because I revere the Lord. I am reverent to the Lord. I believe that the Lord is the creator of all things, the one true God. And so when we read fear, whether it's here in Proverbs or... Anywhere else in the Bible, it's really important to note because we don't want to be afraid of the Lord. That's why the Lord, when the angel comes, they say, do not be afraid. I'm just an angel with many faces, lots of wings and limbs. You don't need to be afraid of me, though I look weird. No, when they say in that one, they mean fear as in quaking in our boots. But when we say fear the Lord, we want writers want us to understand that we should revere the Lord, that we should have reverence towards God. And so when we look at this and when we dive deeply into books like the book of Proverbs, when we dive deeply into places in the Psalms, when we dive deeply into a lot of these places within the Hebrew scriptures, we see that wisdom plays this key role. It's this key cog in who we are and in what we believe. In fact, our knowing, our knowledge and understanding of God begins with our faith. And so if we do not begin our faith with a knowledge and understanding of God, then our faith is empty because then what do we truly believe? And we see this all throughout the Jewish scriptures. We see this focus on wisdom and knowledge because it lays the foundation for who we are called to be. And really, when we begin to look through the history, not just of of Judaism, but when we look through the history of Christianity, It is knowledge and wisdom that leads to some of the greatest religious revolutions and enlightenments that we've had, right? Look at the Reformation. The Reformation is about making God known to the average person, right? It's all about translating the scriptures into the vulgar language so that people can read scripture. It starts with the church teaching people how to read and write because they under because the church understood that with knowledge came knowledge of God. And so we begin to look and see how this this philosophical thought, this love of wisdom begins to permeate. And, it, and you can look at any major world religion, and there is philosophy that is interwoven into each and every fabric of these religions. Why? Because the base of our understanding of who we are. And when we look especially in branches of of philosophy that deal with ethics, that deal with logic, that deal with this understanding of who we are and how we relate to this created order that is around us, that is how we begin to unpack this idea of theology that meets our contemporary understanding of living. But it starts with this idea of of knowledge, of knowing, knowing God, knowing ourselves. And it implants itself in how we live within the world. And so when we think about this idea of is philosophy, is faith in religion compatible with philosophy? I, I think if we dug down deep enough, we could say that religion, faith, theology could not exist without without philosophy. I think we could say the same thing about many fields of studies that we have, that without these philosophical breakthroughs that we have throughout these different eras of philosophical thought, we would not be where we are today. Because it lays the foundation. So, the first foundation of philosophy, of many, uh, if, if we look throughout the different schools of philosophical thinking, a lot of it begins with this idea of knowledge, right? One of of the the very introductory things I was introduced to in in my philosophy class was Plato's Allegory of the Cave. right? And it's a concept devised by this philosopher um, on the nature of beliefs versus knowledge. And so here I, I, I pulled this really quick synopsis offline because I didn't feel like reading quotes from the Republic today. So the allegory begins with prisoners who have lived their entire lives chained inside a cave. Behind the prisoners is a fire. And between the fire and the prisoners are people carrying puppets and other objects. These cast shadows on the opposite wall, and the prisoners watch these shadows, believing this to be their reality, as they've known nothing else. Plato posits that one prisoner could become free, and he finally sees the fire and realizes the shadows are fake. This prisoner could escape from the cave and discover there's a whole new world outside they were previously unaware of. This prisoner would believe the outside world is so much more real than that in the cave. He would try to return to free the other prisoners and upon his return he is blinded because his eyes are not accustomed to actual sunlight. And the chained prisoners would see this blindness and believe they will be harmed if they try to leave. Now what do we continue to learn when we dive deeper into this idea of philosophy? There is this connection between the nature of who we are and this idea of knowledge. And so if we apply that in a theological sense into who we are, we then believe that there is this nature and connection between God and knowledge. Right? We look all throughout Scripture, whether we're looking in in the Hebrew text where we begin to see the Israelites growing and knowing God. We look through Jesus, the presence of Jesus, giving folks an understanding of who God actually is by God taking human form and coming down on earth. Or we look at statements from Paul or Peter that talk about maturing in our faith. Knowledge becomes the foundation of how we believe in God. And when we look at how knowledge has developed throughout the ages, we can look and see the ways in which faith Any faith, any religion has developed alongside of these philosophical thoughts and the way that each and every one of these holds within it these ideologies of who we are called to be. And so when we look at something like Plato in this allegory of the cave, right, we can see this idea in which the more we know about God, the more our eyes are open, right? Right? We are, we, are like, we are like the folks staring at the back of the cave, and we are unchained, and we can then see the world that is behind us. And it's a little scary, right? Because we thought it was just, oh, it's just it's it's shadows and it's 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 just things. And now I've finally seen the fire. And, and you go outside and you're blinded. We're introduced to God and we begin to understand. We can see this nature in which these allegories begin to mesh with this idea of knowledge that we see here from Solomon and we begin to see the way that belief belief is bound or is born from knowledge right we explain belief oftentimes as mystery but when mystery meets knowledge meets understanding when knowledge supplants belief that is where we struggle with our knowledge of god But what we are called to do when we are thinking theologically, when we are thinking philosophically, is that in those strugglings, when belief meets knowledge, or when knowledge meets belief, where they conflict is where God's growth begins to happen. Right? Not only is philosophy compatible with religion, but without philosophy, much of our faith would struggle to take hold. Why? Because when we look at the basis of philosophy, we see a love of wisdom, a love of knowledge, an idea of wanting to grow more in what we know. When we engage philosophically with the world, we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to, we want to understand more things. The problem that we encounter is when that love of wisdom, when that knowledge begins to seemingly conflict with our religious views, we pull back into our own shells. We pull back into who we think we have to be instead of encountering this knowledge and trying to understand this knowledge. I mean, look at the history of the church that has been conflicted with all of these ideas of thought, right? We once believed the world was flat. We once believed the earth was the center of the universe. We once believed that men were superior to women. And then we were told, hold on there, buddy. You like sleeping in your bed at night? The question is, how does this philosophical thought encounter our understanding of faith and theology? And so the questioner starts to talk about these practical philosophies, right? These philosophies that are lived out in our lives, such as, uh, such as Platonic, Neoplatonic thought or uh, Stoicism, as mentioned. And we're reminded that there are spaces in which these ideas overlap. It is coming to an understanding of where they overlap with our faith and what informs our theology And how that understanding of thought weaves into what we know about God. It helps us to build this worldview of what we know, of what we see, of what we experience. And it begins to lay the foundation for our theological understanding, much in the same way that we call in our Methodist doctrine, this idea that our doctrine, our theology is formed by scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Friends, let me tell you, that reason in there is all philosophical thought. Our own reasoning of how we deduct things. The experience of how we know and understand and have lived these experiences help to form us. And it raises this important position of philosophy. Because a lot of times when we look at religion, we want to say there is but one worldview. There is only one way to understand this. And see, the problem with it is we may believe that there is one way to see this thing, but the problem is is if we only invest ourselves in this one way, then how do we ever actually know everything else? if I only invest myself in this one ideology, how do I know that that's what I actually believe? How do I know what I believe about God? The first time I went up for commissioning, I was encouraged to read a book called Not Every Spirit, and it's a book, the thesis of the book is, you determine what you believe by determining what you don't believe. And so when we begin to form this worldview, when we begin to look, we begin to see how we interact with the world. And so we break down our understanding of knowledge and wisdom. Right? Why do I have to take philosophy in order to take systematic theology? Because if I don't understand what it means to think, then how is that going to understand what it means for me to believe? Right? So we talk about Stoicism, and I find Stoicism to be an interesting concept for this question to raise because when we look at the early beginnings of Christianity we begin to see these practical theologies begin to seep themselves into how they practice and actually early Christians jumping back and forth on where they think they are just based off of one simple belief. Right stoicism presents this idea that things we cannot of uh, uh, focusing on the things we can control while accepting the things we cannot. Well, someone who asks me about Stoicism, I'll just read them the prayer of serenity. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I don't know about you, but I pray that prayer a lot. And I think it sounds very similar to that base understanding of Stoicism that we see. But does this make Christian Stoics? I hope not, because I don't like their faces. When When you see pictures of Stoics, they're all just like, That was a Stoic joke, folks. You see, Christians can have all of these different worldviews. Christians don't practice... When I say Christians, I mean broadly, across the world. Christians don't practice Stoicism to a T because Stoics also believe that, that should you get in a certain place... Suicide is acceptable. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that there's a lot of trouble with that thought. If you were a Christian in the 3rd or 4th century, then then you probably got a lot of uh, Neoplatonism developing from this idea and the thoughts of Plato. Even growing up in the Middle Ages, your philosophy was determined in large part by folks like Anselm. Uh, Who else was it? Uh, Aquinas, Augustine. I mean, these are like legitimate theologians of our early time whose works we still read today and they are developing philosophical thought. If you're growing up in the the Renaissance period, you're probably influenced by a lot of Locke, by a lot of Hume. A lot of times our belief is dictated by those who are around us. But it's always... Meant to be that understanding of wisdom and knowledge that plays that role in who we are. And so if you believe in parts of Stoicism, have fun. I will probably push back on some of those ideas. If you think that you align a little bit more with a different philosophical thought, that's fine. What we don't want to happen is to get ourselves so pigeonholed into one worldview in one area that we miss all the other stuff that is happening around us. Right? This is why it's so hard to think, like, okay, if I'm going to preach on philosophy, well, what do I preach on? Because philosophy is literally everything. I mean, I'm looking on Wikipedia and it's like long. But when we think philosophically, when we think in this nature and tradition of wisdom, we begin to place the foundation for how we experience God and how we live into God's kingdom. And so the way in which we the way in which we live philosophically, the way we learn, the way we study, even the way we sometimes practice whatever philosophical beliefs we have can help to inform our theology. Right, there are many of us who probably have a philosophy that is very focused on human nature thereby creating a great sense of social justice within our lives there are some folks who probably have developed philosophical roots in this I in, in this um, oh man I'm, I've lost my words mm-hmm <laughs> all right.
1: Circle back around, huh? Maybe.
0: Give me, give me 30 or 40 minutes. <laughs> but it's tough to look the other way when, when philosophy seems so embedded in our lives, when philosophy is the base of our understanding. Right? If I encourage any of us to do anything, it's not to get lost in all of these different areas and all of these different practices. But it's encountering everything. It's acknowledging everything that is around us. You know, I didn't. I didn't want to read the whole first chapter of Proverbs because it's it's long. But if you if you look down there in your if you open up your pew Bible there to the first chapter of Proverbs, you'll see verses 28, uh, actually 29 to 33. Um, Solomon writes, it says, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear, the reverence of the Lord would have none of my counsel and despise all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and be sated with their own devices for waywardness kills the simple and the complacency of fools destroys them. But those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease without dread or disaster. All right. Beyond the ego of listen to me, what do we hear here? Right, We hear that there is this idea that when we are in conversation, when we are talking, that this idea of wisdom plays a role in how we communicate with one another. What I hear when when Solomon starts to talk about this, and when he says up in that top part, in verse 7, he says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's how we grow in our faith. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. Because in an expansion of our worldview, of our experiences, comes an understanding of a deeper faith. To learn more about the world around us helps us to learn more about God. Will it challenge our faith? Probably. There's a very good likelihood. But does that mean it's not worth learning? Does that mean it's not worth wrestling? Does that mean it's not worth the attention that it needs? I mean, it may seem harsh. And I don't want to be like, I don't want to say like, oh look, if you're not willing to learn, then get out of here. But it truly is this idea that if we are not willing to engage on a wisdom and a knowledgeable perspective, if we are not willing to engage and to learn and to understand, then we lose the basis for our entire religion, for our entire understanding of faith. Our faith becomes an empty box My job as a pastor, this is going to sound really weird for a second. My job as a pastor is not to tell you what to believe. And if you're upset with that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's not my job to tell you what to believe. Aside from Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the only thing. It's a part part of my job. You have to believe that. Um, But even like really, like... If you don't want to get baptized, then, sorry, rabbit hole. But I don't tell you what to believe. What I do is I give you information to help broaden your understanding of faith. What I do, what my hope is, is that I hope that I preach sermons that have you asking more questions. Why? Because in asking more questions, you develop that faith. You develop that understanding. If I just stand up here and tell you, you must believe this. I remember being a kid and being like, Why? 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 Friends, if philosophy and religion are not together, then it makes it really hard to think about what the future of religion holds. If we're not willing to learn, if we're not willing to wrestle, if we're not willing to be a part of how we know and understand wisdom in this world, then we have lost the basis for our religion. Every way we use our wisdom becomes a source of faith for us. When we begin our wisdom and knowledge with God and then continue to allow it to guide us. Remember, that's the entrance to faith, our knowledge of God. And we've talked before that our faith does not end when we start believing with God. In fact, our faith begins. And so the more we learn, the more we unpack, the more we understand, the more we grow. And there's all kinds of stuff out there to learn. My wife likes to remind me there's always another book that can be read. Should it be? Sometimes no. But will it? Yes. The question is, how are we going to view this idea of knowledge and wisdom? Do we want to stop knowledge? Because we think in some way, shape, or form that people knowing things, that wisdom in this world is going to supplant the power structure that we have seemingly created... Or are we going to help folks to understand the very nature of all of this so that we can better understand God? What are we going to do? Amen.